0: I'm Franny Benali, and you're listening to In That Number. And then they lift
1: one over the top of Danny Ings. He's in the box. Oh, to his left foot! Brilliant! Oh, it's a fantastic goal from Danny Ings. He's done it again. Here
0: comes Warfred. Welcome back to another episode, episode 71 of In That Number. Last week, we titled it Subterranean Lockdown Blues. This week, we've gone with quarantine age kicks. <laughs> like I say, the puns never stop here. Today, we have a real treat for you. We are joined by journalist and writer for The Athletic, Carl Anker, to chat through his work and his thoughts on the season covering Saints. But before we bring him in, let me bring in my team, our resident statistical analyst, Statman Steve, and the big cheese himself, the Moscow Mush, Kevin Milverton. How are you, chaps? Um, yeah, grand.
2: Um, I think we're slowly coming out of the other end of this uh, coronavirus epidemic in, in Russia. Although, yeah, the, the stats are still quite high. Um, yeah, I mean, we're talking about different skills that we've been learning. Uh, Mrs Mush actually um, gave me a haircut yesterday. Um, wow. She showed out some new... Uh, Lockdown down skills, but yeah my my skills are limited to uh beard growth at the moment
1: <laughs> and
0: Steve, how are you
1: I'm um, very well, thank you yeah it's um sort of hit me a bit this week, knowing that um it's been the returns of the five day week um after the bank holiday that that was nice, but um yeah, it'd be nice when the the next bank holiday comes up, won't
0: it? Yes, yes, it will <laughs> um now, Kevin, I introduced you as the big cheese, but Believe it or not, we've got an even bigger one. If, I mean, if if you're the mild cheddar, yeah, then we've got wow, well, we've got the whole wheel of parmesan. Are you saying I smell? <laughs>
3: <laughs> do you,
2: you prefer the uh, cheese metaphor? I like to go with the more mature cheddar.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't. What is, what is considered the finest of the cheeses? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not big on my cheeses. But yeah. Anyway, let's bring in the superstar guest, Carl Anker. Carl. Welcome to In That Number, and thanks for chatting with us today. Hello,
3: it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, sorry about the, uh, the, the parmesan. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's fine, it's alright. Very. It? Fight I'm, fight it? not, I'm not a big cheese, I'm just a weird lad who stares too much at spreadsheets, so don't worry about it. <laughs> uh,
0: well, before we get balls deep in XG and XA and any other advanced metrics, let's chat about you. Firstly, how are you dealing with this lockdown?
3: Yeah, not bad. Well, it... I've been in lockdown. I live in Southampton, on the bottom of High Street, and I've been—I live in a, by myself. So I've, mm. yeah, I'm doing a good lonely astronaut impression, I'd say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> are you—are um, you following government guidelines and staying alert? I am
3: very alert. Oh my god, I drink so much coffee to stay alert, and oh, me yeah, I've—I've I've, I've reached the tipping point where I now own more devices to make coffee than I own um, <laughs> pairs of jeans.
0: <laughs> we well,
3: just, just cross over, I'm like yeah, good. This is this isn't this is good behavior.
0: <laughs> Brilliant, but you, I mean, are you keeping busy? I mean, did you catch up with the the Bundesliga? Yet? I did, I did.
3: I-, did. I, w- I watched I watched the Dortmund game and I got halfway through the Frankfurt game. And before we started this, I was watching part of the Hamburg game in Bundesliga Zwei. So, um wow. <laughs> yeah, I I told all my mates that I didn't miss football. And then I think it was the third Dortmund goal. When, and the ball, like, got to Hazard, I just screamed, HIT it ONE TIME! I went, oh god. oh god. Oh man, I, 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 clearly, I clearly missed this a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, do you know what, I was the same, I didn't think I was, I was missing it too much, I thought it's the whole podcasting, editing thing, I thought, yeah, I could do about that for a bit, but then... You know, as the weeks have gone on, it's just like, I really miss football. Anything, I'll take it. So, yeah, the Bundesliga is, is a really nice distraction at the moment. Um, we, we we were chatting, actually, a few pods back about any new skills that we've taken up during the lockdown. Like, Steve has, has been utilising his time quite well, actually, um, apart from the guitar. He's he's taken up German on Geolingo. Um, but how about you? Like, Have you tried your hand at anything si, new? Si, senor. Uh... Oh, good. Eh, uh,
3: Muy bien. <laughs> Lo siento, mi español es un poco... ...mal. <laughs> yeah, Excellent. it's a little bad. So you,
0: I, you've been doing the old duolingo.
3: I do, I pick up Spanish every now and I've been trying to learn Spanish for a while now because it's one of those things where I reached a tipping point in my football journalism career where it was just I, I just need to learn Spanish <laughs> or one of these languages. Um, So I always try to have like a mini cramming session in the spring because I'm trying to... Well, normally I go to uh, Primavera Music Festival in the June. Yeah. So it's just, just mm-hmm. learned for two or three months. So I'm just in the middle of that spell now. So I'm a 55-day streak there. Wow. Um, I have made at least eight loaves of banana bread. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had a go at doing the whipped coffee thing, but I don't have a whisk. Oh. Uh, which, it, it's really hard to do when you don't have a whisk, because it, it does take, like... 45 minutes. I can imagine, four, yeah. to, to that point. But I needed to, you know, use up the morning. So, yeah, loads of, loads of nonsense like that.
0: <laughs> Have you been reading more? <laughs> rinsing through a lot of Netflix? Uh, yeah,
3: I'm, I'm averaging like a book a weekend. Wow. Like just doing 100 pages in one Ooh. day and then 100 pages the next day and then just like bang bang. Um, so yeah. I'm currently reading Night Train, which is a biography of Sonny Liston, which I would oh, highly recommend wow. if you've not read that one. Um, yeah, I've been getting into boxing, uh, and obviously I'm watching The Last Dance, yes. like everyone else. I'm glad you mentioned uh, that. I'm like a huge basketball fan anyway. Um wow. So I watched The Last Dance uh, and I tracked down... There's a really good documentary on Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. It's like 90 minutes long. And I found a copy hiding away on Netflix. I've been watching that as well.
0: So, uh, I'll, have to, yeah. I'll have to do that. I'll have to do that. I'm a, big, I'm a big NBA fan as well. Who um, was your team?
3: Uh, Pelicans,
0: oddly. Really? Uh, and
3: I was just sort of like... Well, it was just one of those things where the person who got me into all these American sports... Went, you should support the Pelicans. They're bad now, but one day they'll come good. And I went, you sure? Uh, and then now I've got Zion.
0: Yeah, you lost you lost AD, but you got Zion. So sweet. I mean, I'm I'm a glutton for punishment. but I mean, because following Saints isn't hard enough. I'm a big Knicks fan. So oh yeah. So my whole week consists Ooh. of me trying to circumnavigate through like a, the, the the season fixtures. It's quite a heartbreaking process, really. But hey, you know, I'm I'm, I'm used to it now. Teams, yikes. Um and yeah, as Steve mentioned off air, you I mean we've seen on your Instagram that you've discovered the hobbit. Now I'm I'm not yes. I'm not talking about the book. Of course I'm talking about the pub and specifically the cocktails.
3: Yeah, I uh forgive me, as we record this I'm a little bit hungover because I, I drank a lot of the Boromir cocktail oh. last night. And uh yeah, that one really sneaks up on you. It tastes like vinegar. <laughs>
1: That's
3: and, <amazing>. then, <laughs> and then you just Huh. <laughs> Um, how many did you go for in the end? I got uh, I got uh, two Boromir, two Gandalf, and two Aragon, uh, And oh, I went through both Boromirs. Uh, so Boromir is uh, Dark Realm, VK Cherry, and Coca-Cola? Ah, oh, okay. I think. I think good. there's something else in there. I think that's um, right. Yeah, which is one of those things that shouldn't work. <laughs> and yeah.
1: <laughs> when, uh, when I was a student down in Southampton, I used to go there quite a bit. And um, yeah, there's the challenge we were talking about, where you have to basically go through the whole fellowship and if you do that, you kind of record it down on a card and then you get a free T-shirt. So I've still got mine um, stored away somewhere. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing.
3: Proper university economics where are like, oh I'd like shirt for drinking all this stuff. I need to work it out. <laughs> <laughs> like a T-shirt costs five quid and you spend like
0: <laughs> Kev, we've probably had quite a few of those a long time ago. Uh, yeah,
3: we've spent many a
0: night on the Gandalfs. So. <laughs> um, right, okay, let's talk about The Athletic. Um, firstly, can you tell our listeners that don't know, what is it?
3: The Athletic? Yeah, well, the pitch from The Athletic is to be the greatest home of sports writing in the English language. Uh, so started off in America in, I want to say, Chicago in around 2015. Um, some very, very clever gentlemen thought, why not come up with a subscription-based service with journalists? And the idea is to have uh, embedded journalists on every single beat. So I started off in American sports, so you Follow the Knicks, you get a Knicks writer yep, covering the Knicks and just the Knicks and whatnot. So, started there, moved head office to San Francisco, uh, and then last season, 1890, they tried athletic soccer, where they covered the top six, and I was covering Manchester United uh, and uh, La Liga. And then that went so well, they went, you know what, let's bring it to the UK properly and cover the Premier League uh, and a little bit of the Championship. So now all 20 teams in the Premier League are covered with a reporter, embedded reporter. So I cover Southampton where you've got some geniuses covering, uh, top six and whatnot and the relegation mire. Uh, and you've got a, a wonderful band of senior editors on top of that as well. So you've got people like Michael Cox offering tactical analysis. Uh, you've got Adam Harry, uh, Mr. Football Clichés, just, just hilarious, Matt, like the Larry, the Larry David of football analysis. Um, <laughs> Uh, and you've got that going on as well uh, and you've got like a slight like a podcast and the, the whole idea is to basically give every single Premier League team and six in the Championship the same amount of coverage you would typically expect from Manchester United every single day so the yeah. idea of being uh, hyper specific to a club and have, a, and have a, a unique insight so the idea is when I move to Southampton I just sort of hold up uh, with four or five books after meeting some of the Southampton historians, and I've just spent the last seven or eight months trying to learn as much of this football as possible. And the way I describe it is, I've, I'm trying to get a master's degree in Southampton Football Club, um, and uh, now I have more grey hairs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Steve, you've got a subscription to the Athletic, and you know, we, we, me and Kevin are on the the free trials at the moment. So if you, you know, if you haven't got, it, I'd recommend it. You'll be glad you did. As Carl said, you know, I've, I've been reading a lot of your stuff on there. Carl and um, I follow the New York Rangers as well, and there's a writer on there called Rick Carpinello, who I, I've been reading quite a lot this week. So yeah, it's definitely worth it. Um, but yeah, can you tell us about like your journey with the Athletic and how you started? Because you said that you were you freelancing covering you know Manchester United, and how how did the the relocating to Southampton occur? <laughs>
3: um, so. The the story that is uh, now published in, in British GQ and whatnot w- was about how there were all these like cloak and dagger mystery meetings in London as they were slowly as they were like hiring and forming like an Avengers team of journalists. <laughs> um, so I was I was vaguely aware of this stuff happening when I was freelancing for them, but they weren't talking to me at the time. Um so I was this is around about June. So, so the, the great, the, the big sort of apparent cabal hiring was going on around the Champions League final. So I like, started June. And I, w- I was in Primavera Music Festival at the time, so I was just sort of the day before, I'm hearing this stuff about the athlete wants to launch in the UK, and I was like, oh, weird. I thought the Americans would tell me, but they didn't. So, well, I'm going on a holiday. Here's my last article covering Manchester United. I'll see you when I see you one day. Um, expecting thoroughly to be replaced as a freelancer and not Blah blah blah. Come back from holiday. Um, I get a phone number unknown. I don't recognise the phone number, so I do what all twenty-year-olds do when you don't recognise the phone number: you don't pick up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another phone call, don't pick up. Another phone call, don't pick up. Get email going. You should probably pick up your phone. Uh, (laughs) Pick up the phone, uh, and a a very nice man goes, "Hello, my name is such and such, and I've been told I need to give you a job." What? Uh, um, And then through, I think, like two or three days. a pitch was made, um, and they, you know, said we're not going to put your Manchester United, but uh, the options now are basically see if you'd be interested in covering a London football team or if you'd be able to relocate. Um, and uh, the person in question went, "How do you feel about relocating to Southampton?" I went, um, interesting. <laughs> I and mean, uh, the gentleman said, um, "Worst come to worst, you can pretend you're in Northern France." <laughs> now, <laughs> now the city of Southampton has its charms. Yes. But it's not Northern France. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. It's the Riviera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so you were growing up a Man United fan, I believe, and in, in the Sir Alex Ferguson trophy-laden era, what was your perception of Southampton? I mean, was it always like you were looking forward to playing Saints and grabbing three points?
3: really remember playing Southampton much in, in, in my years. As a Ferguson supporting Manchester United fan, as you can tell by my accent, I'm a hardcore Manchester United fan. Oh yeah,
0: I mean, you've got all the all the credentials.
3: Just sticks sticks right there. Um, I always say my my great sort of footballing education came about in the David Moyes year, oh, okay. where I weren't good, and I was just I remember I remember once watching my United play in the pub, and I just went, "This is terrible. <laughs> this is awful." My foot, I went, my football team was regularly ruining my weekends. And my friend went, yeah, welcome to football fandom. This is, this is how all of us feel. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> I was like, you feel like this, you, you know, talking to my friend who was a Spurs fan, I'm like, you feel like this all the time for like 25 years and you keep watching football. He goes, yeah. I'm like, why? You don't win. This is terrible. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, that was my sort of like, oh yeah, football is inherently about pain. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Um, always. Which, I'm, um, i um, you know, now I'm, for, I watch more, I watch far more Southampton than I watch Manchester United now, and there have been times where, you know, I've watched a Southampton game at Saturday at 3, and then the United game is on Sunday at 5, and I've got partway through the United game, and I'm like, I don't even want to watch this, this is, this is just too, oh. it's not as entertaining as a Southampton game, which is uniquely irritating. Wow. Shall we say New level of
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I was going to say, like, how does a Saints loss compare to United loss for you? Oh man.
3: I swear, so much more. Um,
0: <laughs> for Southampton news. Um
3: and uh, obviously my you know, my job is is somewhat dependent on on Southampton doing well. And it's a lot easier to write about things when things are going well. Readership, people like reading good news. Mm. Um, and there was a there was a point partly through this season, I think it was around like December, where I just got, I was just so annoyed writing about Southampton and how bad they were defending. Uh, and I came, I, well, it was after the defeat to West Ham at home. Um and the, I wrote this piece just like, why, 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 why on earth can Southampton not deal with direct opponents? What's the point of all this pressing if you just get done when someone plays two up top? Um and, and it was, I thought it was fairly balanced and my editors went, I really enjoyed that, Carl. You clearly were very annoyed. Um <laughs> and the article to this day, the headline is, uh, why can't Southampton keep clean sheets? It's because they're not very good. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn, I was skating that there. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, and and I, I, the, the story that I, I sometimes tell was um obviously one of the thing think it was the, the second home second or third home game of the season was against Manchester United. Yeah. So obviously, straight into the new season, people go, Oh, behave yourself I went, you know, I'm a professional, I'm not going to get too carried away I'm, Don't worry, I'm I'm absolutely here For Southampton, I don't care if United I, mean, I prefer it to Southampton and got a decent result And there was a point yep. In the game where Daniel James is just Skinning Cedric Suarez All the time in the first half an hour uh, And there was a point where Daniel James gets the ball, knocks it forward Gets like two or three yards ahead of Cedric And Cedric's not really running And I thought I had I thought I just you know, Had the thought of get a move on Cedric well, and what I apparently had shouted quite loudly was, get a move on, Cedric Suarez. Um, I did not say get a move on, Cedric Suarez. There were swear words involved. Um, and I'd said this in the press box, and two or three journalists around me just sort of stopped and looked at me. And one <laughs> of them went, oh, you're a Southampton fan now, aren't you? I went, apparently so. so I, I, have
0: it. I remember that game well. Yeah, that was the uh, the Vestergaard equaliser, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, I was there. I was there too.
3: last. The last true sighting of Paul Pogba.
0: Yes. <laughs> um, you were saying earlier about how you want to get a master's degree in in Southampton. Um, and I want to talk about your work, actually, a little bit. And I've got to say that you've, you've taken to the club history so well and, and so easily, it seems. And that's evident in your work. It's really, really insightful. And I was catching up a few your articles in the week, actually. And um, the, the one that stood out for me was the 98-99 campaign. That was, that was a brilliant read. Um, that was yeah, that was a nice piece, and I also liked the um the piece uh, that you did on the managers from well, Mike, thank you. from 2000. That was good, and uh, you like the categories, and you gave Harry his own section. <laughs> that, that, that's <laughs> yeah, you Loved it. It was um yeah, genius stuff. And yeah, I say I agree. I agreed with about 90% of it, but I'm not a uh, Claude Puel fan. Now, I know that Kevin is.
2: That's <laughs> fine.
0: Oh yeah. But yeah, I mean, you put. I think you had him in the section. You know what. You know what would happen if we kept him. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, Kev, you were a big admirer of Claude Puel, weren't you?
2: Yeah, I feel really sorry for him. I think he was very hard done by how he can take us to a Wembley final and get sacked in the same season.
0: Mm.
2: I mean, I I look at
0: it, the fact that we, we scored the fourth lowest amount of goals that season and we were only six points above the drop zone. And I just remember feeling really low under him. I mean, we feel low as Saints fans anyway, but that season was just awful for me. Even though the League Cup final and all that, and of course that was a uh, Man United final as well, wasn't it? Um, and yeah, but I know it did get worse under Pellegrino. But yeah, anyway, fantastic work there. Um, and another one that you did was the banali on tour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now it seemed like Kev, when we were growing up in the '90s, they, they were everywhere around the city. And I remember we went to like cash, you know, cash machines, and they were just right, yeah. around everywhere. I had them in, in. I think they were in our school at one point as well. I, I've seen a few of them at my work as well on lockers in there. Um, but I've never ventured as far as Christ the Redeemer. <laughs> but, I mean, Kev, have you come across any in Moscow at all?
2: No, no, I mean, maybe, maybe I should get myself um, a load of Penny New stickers, but, um, yeah, I don't fancy sticking one to the Kremlin wall and then <laughs> facing a few years of some Siberian gulag as a consequence. Uh,
0: okay, uh, but, yeah, it's just, you know, in, in these times without football, Carl, you're still managing to put out quality content, and it's got me gripped, so, yeah, it's... um. It's definitely worth a read, and it's definitely worth getting onto the athletic.
3: Thank you very much. Um, I think at a time, well, it's weird, I sort of had a look at the numbers and, uh, you know, normally during term time, term time, shall we say, I'm averaging around about 10 articles a month, whereas it, in April I did 14, which is one of those, how am I more productive when there's no football? <laughs> um, maybe the football's just getting in the way of the athletic, who knows? Maybe. <laughs> I think one of the, th- I think the best places out there, and it's not just You know the the art place I write for, but I think the 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 good sports stuff right now are the ones that are properly hitting nostalgia, the business side, Um, and like the nostalgia stuff. The current like what are people doing during the pause, and also trying to predict the future. And anyone that can hit those three pressure points very very well seem to be to doing very well and I think there's some really good inventive people out there um, I'm really enjoying Ryan O'Hanlon, who writes for The Ringer he does a yes, really yeah. good sub-stack there. so I really like him um, I just I love The Ringer in general so I'm reading loads of that um, SB Nation unfortunately has furloughed quite a few staff yeah. but um, there's some really talented SB Nation writers that are doing their own thing on Twitter and whatnot as well so uh, yeah it, it, it's weird That there's still quite a bit of creativity because it, it's quite fun now where you just got enough time to to try and put your bizarre, you know, 2020 football education on like 90s football and say, like, what are you doing?
0: <laughs> uh, when, the, when the season is in full swing, like, what's what's your routine when writing? Are you like, are you a note taker during the games or are you just like 100% focused on watching and then get back to it as soon as you can? It
3: varies. So, you know, the, the thing, everyone, you know, DFL, was very much we don't do match reports, so obviously. You know, yeah. after a, after a game finishes, you get a match report on the BBC, on the Guardian, and whatnot. And the Athletic is very much no. We want to take our time and do. I call them debriefs, um, or, or do something with a unique angle. So obviously Southampton play nearly all the time Saturday three o'clock, but the article that I write will nearly never go up before eight o'clock on a Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also so what tends to happen on. Um, Rafa has his press conference on Thursday at. He now has it at one o'clock now. Um, So he has his press conference on Thursday, and coming out of that, uh, I tend to do my Q and A on the the Athletic on Friday at three. But so I'd say between three o'clock on Friday and up until maybe Saturday twelve o'clock, I'm thinking, what am I going to look at in the game this weekend? Oh, okay. So you know, what's going to be the thing I want to focus on? Half, you know, sometimes it's is there a trend with the form book? Um, is there something, is someone going to make their debut? Um, do I think someone's injured and that's going to cause interesting repercussions on whatnot? So, uh, a, one example uh, was uh, the FA Cup game against um, Tottenham Hotspur, third round, the first one, mm-hmm. not the replay. Yep. And mm-hmm. I, you know, Angus Gunn had played the first game against Huddersfield in the FA Cup and I thought there's a good chance Angus Gunn's gonna play against Spurs. All right, this is Angus Gunn's first time against Premier League opposition since that game. The bad game we don't like to talk about. Yes, and I thought is. I thought <laughs> it'd be really interesting just to watch Angus Gunn for ninety minutes. So yeah. the Spurs game that ended in one one, I wasn't really watching anyone else. I just watched what Angus Gunn was doing. Mm. Taking notes. Um obviously I spoke to his father a little bit before the game, and he swat, uh, a little bit afterwards, I spoke to people, you know, close to him, and basically went, you know, this guy's been kept off grid, and, uh, he's been hidden for a little bit, you know, since October, and now it's January, February, what's he been up to recently? And I just wrote about his technique, wrote about his confidence, wrote about how, you know, in the 30th minute he got more confident, but you know, in the 70th minute, when Spurs went a goal ahead, he looked a bit nervier, and that was the entire piece. Whether or not that's as useful as a match report is, uh, um, I mean, that, well, that's going to uh, be to this day. But I think the interesting thing there is, you know, here's, here's something, is a moment in time that I think is worth looking at. Something different. There have also, yeah, there have also been times where I've gone in, you know, mice and men and whatnot. Uh, I've gone in on, a, on on the day before a game and gone, this is what I'm going to look at um, today and just halfway through the game, it's just completely fallen to pieces. <laughs> Um, so, uh, the one I talk about a lot was, um, there was a Friday kickoff and I went, I'm going to watch this game with the brass band. So met the brass band an hour before, took photographs of nearly all of them, uh, took them down their names, had conversations with them all, um, found out loads about the brass band and they went off to play their gig. I went, cool. I went, I just, you know, I'd written 700 words on watching Southampton with the brass band and what that experience is like. Um, that game occurred on the 25th of October, 2019. So I very quickly had to shelve that idea, because within (laughs) half an hour... (laughs) Within half an hour, Southampton were, let's say, a couple of calls down.
0: Yes. Very, very good. (laughs) Very good choice there. Yeah, that's
3: the thing. So, uh, generally speaking, in terms of the internal mechanics on a weekend, if the article is up on Monday, uh, I've handed it in uh, by nine o'clock on a Sunday morning. Okay. So depending on what you want to do, um, sometimes I will write the article while I'm watching the game of football. Sometimes I don't start until full time and I've done the mix zone. I've talked to people. I've hit the phones. Um, I very often what I try and do nowadays, it, well, when the football's going on, what I would do is I go to the game, I do the, you know, the whole thing, do the Q and A. I don't tend to leave St. Mary's until well, the game finishes at five o'clock. Sometimes yeah. I don't leave St. Mary's until half six.
0: Oh,
3: wow. So typing and or doing phone calls. Um, there's a very nice receptionist who just basically like, why are you still here? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I don't tend to leave until six, half six. And then I'll do the first draft. Be- I try and do the first draft before match of the day. Watch match of the day. One thing that I just didn't understand about, you know, Southampton as a thing, was just basically like, you're always on last. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. nearly always on last. Yeah. that was a big thing but it took me a while to get my head around it's amazing you um, could stay
0: awake for that long to be honest
3: <laughs> truly I did not understand that people went you Southampton fans been doing this for 20, 30 years what? <laughs> watching your thought- team be-, be last so you watch like a 1-1 draw really mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest
0: I watch it on a Sunday morning
3: yeah yeah uh, and yeah. uh uh, I remember, I, I remember Southampton going we first after a win, and I got genuinely happy about it. <laughs> uh, I tweeted, I went, oh my god, Southampton on first on Match of the Day, and then, uh, uh, Ian Wright tweeted me going, you love that club so much now. <laughs> 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 which uh, I was cheering up. you know. Um yeah, I, I, trying to do my first draft before Match of the Day, and then, uh, you know, Match of the Day is one of those things of, Obviously T V side is different from where I'm sat in the press box at St. Mary's, so it's very good for like just double check I got things correct and facts and figures right. Um and then yeah, by the end of the match of the day I try and finish my first off wake up again on Sunday morning, make sure what I was writing at eleven o'clock at night makes sense. <laughs> uh and then file it on, on a Sunday. And that, that's that's generally how my weekends work. My, my weekends are my busiest weeks and then I you know, coming out of that. I want to see if there's anything I can get out of that game as well um and I try and, I try and average like three articles a week
0: wow that's pretty prolific that's pretty good
3: it's weird it's not I've written you know I was I used to work for a media company where I was writing 14 articles a day
0: oh my goodness uh,
3: which was a, a a completely different type of difficult and a different type of busy um whereas now I'm writing three articles a week and I'm just like okay but you know the idea is the athletic is if you're if you're writing less you you want to make what you're writing have more substance to it yes. a, and and less the time and I say the really cool thing about the athletic is I've never been told no to an idea I've all, nearly always been told can you prove it oh. um and uh can you prove it is can you find someone who was there and interview them can you prove it with spreadsheets and numbers or can you prove it with mis- miscellaneous um, and they go through, you know, the, the, the like mothership tends to, to help you out in, in uniquely bizarre ways that I didn't even realize were possible. So if I'm like, Oh, I want to write about how, and let's say if I want to write an article about Romeo, mm-hmm. like, you know, the athlete, will be like, cool. You should go contact X person. He, he trained him when he was in Barcelona. I was like, What? Really? Um, wow. which is really cool. Uh, I've never really worked in a, in a job that's been that supportive. And I think it, it shows because, you know, that way you get the best. The idea is if you're going to write an article about someone or football or about something, you can write the best possible version because you just have
0: all the information you could possibly get
3: as much as you possibly can. And just, and you know, you've got two or three days to write the article
0: instead of two or three hours. That's great. That's great insight to, to how it all works. We're
2: obviously quite proud of uh, the club and the city itself. And um, I remember, um, I think Ray, you remember this, we were travelling around with a couple of um, uni friends around the country cycling, and uh, we had a. Uh, an England uh, travel guide with us that would read about the places that we went to. And when we got to Southampton, we and there was just a couple of lines and it said that it was a a non-district drab outpost where you could possibly kill a couple of hours before you get the ferry out of here. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I was just wondering as an outsider what your first impressions of the city were.
3: Um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll tell you a quick story. So obviously move... The, I say, the process between me moving and the season start, I moved here on the 20th of July, 2019, uh, had no internet, because you obviously no flat, Um had no internet, had a copy of FIFA 19, played FIFA 19 high, stuff, got you to like, figure out the squad, Um and I, I was like, who, who is this defender? Why is he so slow? <laughs> that doesn't really narrow it down. Hooray. Um, and, uh, I went to the library. I went to the library and messed around in the microfish. <laughs> um, looked at some older uh, copies of the Echo, uh, and I'd say one of the first people and friends I met was uh, Duncan Holly, who is a official historian in Southampton. Uh, he heads up Hagiography Publishing with two or three other historians, uh, including David Bull. And I went to his house, and he was very much welcome to covering Southampton. Uh, why Southampton? Well done for moving. And he said, if you if you want to learn this club, you're going to need these books, and like, he gave me a bunch of books. Like, this is what you need to brush up on. Uh So I'm, not, I'm now in this weird thing where what the club website says compared to what Wikipedia says compared to what the book I'm reading says can be completely different. Oh wow! Um, mm. But I'm always oh, going to trust wow. what the saw and say. Yes. That they've um, uh, just been starting far more than I can. Uh, and I, he, he, I remember when I was leaving his house, he went, "What do you think of Southampton? Oh yeah, it's." I said, "This, this, 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 this," and he sort of looked at me and, and raised an eyebrow in that way, all <laughs> talented experts do, and he goes what do you really think? And I said, the city is weird. Uh, <laughs> and he like, sort of went, oh, he sort of went, right, what the thing a lot of people don't quite understand is, it's, a, it goes, you're basically in a northern city that's just accidentally ended up in the south. Yeah. Uh, what? And he sort of goes, you think it goes the layout of Southampton and how it's like, very high street centric uh, and he's like, you gotta, you know, you look at some of the societal problems and i like, yeah, the, the, there seems to be quite a lot of homelessness, unfortunately. And he goes, yep, you're in a very hard northern port city, just on the south. <laughs> and that's seen. sort of like, I went, oh, that explains XYZ. Like, it explained the layout of the city, it explained, like, the nightlife, um, and it explained, to an extent, the football team. Because I think quite a lot of people think Southampton is sort of this, well-to-do middle-class tippy-tappy football f- football club, where actually it's a, it's a bunch of hard nutters tackling each other all the time. Um, you know, Franny Benali is an absolute hero and one of the nicest men you'll ever meet. He got sent off 11 times.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the Southampton way. That's it, yeah. I never really thought of it like that, to be honest. It's, I'm glad you said that. But I mean, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, so, what, what would you say the best and worst things about living in Southampton is?
3: Uh, oh, well, I think I thought to my boss recently uh, when I, I, like after two or three months he was how you you in Southampton? I went there's less burrito places but there's more Gregs. <laughs> yeah. um, so is that a good thing about <laughs> uh, it. Just depends on how you like your carbs, is not it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's 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 a decent mid-sized town. Uh, I grew up in London, so obviously. Um the idea of I can't buy milk whenever I want milk it took a while for me to get used to. Um, and the idea, oh it's three o'clock, I can't just buy milk because I woke up in the middle of the morning and I need milk. Um uh, uh, so that took opportunity. But also, you yeah, know, the fact that everything's walkable and quite nice. And yeah, one of my friends who I am in the city just basically went, London's really bad because if I'm in one if I'm in point A and I want to get to point B, I don't know how long that's gonna be as a point of time. Because of public transport and just crowds, yeah. Whereas I just don't have that problem in Southampton, which I thought was quite cute. Um, so in Southampton I know that is ten minutes away, and that will not change depending on the day of the week. Um, which is cool. Uh, and yeah, it, it's you know, it's it's just a nice port city. And, and you know, another thing that took me a while was the happy hours. <laughs> <laughs> just
2: when you say it took you a
3: while. Man. <laughs> it took me like two days I was looking for flats uh, before I moved I remember I like, just looked at seven terrible flats got mad at agents and I was on, on the way back to the train station to go back to London and there was a pub there's a pub near the train station that's got a decent happy hour and I remember like walking in and um, you know wanting a pint and he said oh it's happy hour by the way this is three quid I'm just I just like looked at him. Like, what? <laughs> okay. And that sort of confused London, because you know I'm used to paying five pounds sixty six so quid for a pint in London. I, mm-hmm. and I just went, "What?" And I'm like, no, I'm, oh, I'm really sorry. Is that okay, like, mate? And I said, I, "I'm going." What's your name? Like, I'm there, like, one. You're my, you're my new best friend. <laughs> um, and, I, and I, so I, you know, I spent some time working in Washington once, um, and um, someone explained to me if your city has a problem with rush hour traffic. Your bars tend to develop a happy hour culture, uh, uh, and I don't drive, but I can only oh, imagine wow. rush hour in Southampton must be hell because everyone's got happy hour around here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, it is apparently. Um, I mean, apart from burritos and milk at any hour, um, is there anything else that you really miss about
3: London? Uh, Takeaway offerings, I should suppose. it's just sort of, if I want any form of food in London, I can get it. If I want you know, Peruvian or Bolivian or Japanese, Korean, or Brazilian, I can I can get what I want. Whereas in Southampton, I can get three or four types, but also twelve. I can't. Um, to which my mum has just been like, "We'll just learn how to make it yourself." <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a better chef. <laughs> no, I like Southampton. It's it's definitely sit with with charm. Um, another thing, uh, a Southampton fan. It, it's very nice. Kid called Alex took me to a preseason game, introduced me to a couple of his mates, and he went, "Oh, this is so um, and so." He went, and "Carl's moved from London," and, he, and this guy looked at me up and down. and goes, "Are you in witness protection?" <laughs> <I'm> like, what? <laughs> Why on earth would you trade London for Southampton? Like, well, you know, so I'm here to cover the football team. He's like, "This, this, this," and he, uh, I remember Alex was explaining to me, he goes, "Yeah, he goes, everything's kind of like flat and low, and the city's a bit ugly, but we're really proud of it because it's." a whole lot from the war. Like, the only cities that were bombed more in World War Two were Coventry and London. Mm. And Coventry now has all that weird brutalist architecture because uh, they've rebuilt everything. Really yeah, they've quickly. kind of got and, like a
0: half-and-half half cathedral in, in Coventry, haven't they? Like, p- part of old and they've rebuilt half of it. It looks um,
3: it's quite yeah. weird. And uh Southampton has rebuilt everything and it's quite, like, low and flat-roofed. Uh, and it, you know, it's not the prettiest, but Southampton people are really, really proud of how not pretty their city is because it means... Is basically, you know, showing off your war wounds. And when I figured that out as well, and oh, this also explains why their football team likes the way they do. And their fan base does that stuff. And I think that's, that's cool. Southampton people are very unashamed of how, um, hardy they are. Which is cool. And also makes me even more baffled that everyone thinks they're middle class and hointy twenty. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I was a student in Southampton for about four years. And, um, yeah, kind of got to sample lots of different bits of Southampton. Um, and I was going to ask, what, what has been your favourite pub, um, that you've been to since you've been living in Southampton, Carl? Um, I'm really sad because I used to go to Five Rivers a lot.
3: And the Five Rivers, unfortunately, has closed its doors for good. Oh,
0: I didn't even know this. No. I didn't know.
3: You did not? No, I didn't. Oh, know. no. I'm very sorry. Um, yeah, the Five Rivers is now, it, it decided to close its doors for good, um, during this break. Um, yeah, quite sad about that. Right?
0: Oh, yeah.
3: Um, Quite like shenanigans, which is the Irish pub on Bedford Place.
1: Yep. Uh, okay.
3: Um, I used to go to. Um, I love video games, so I've been to uh, Flynn's, which is the hidden video game pub. Uh, so I go there quite often.
1: Uh, the Guide Dog's quite fun. Uh, okay, I used to live around the corner from the Guide
3: Dog. <laughs> ah, very good. Uh, and I, I, well, I live quite right next to the German beer house as well. So. Uh, okay. I've, I've had quite a few steins watching Champions League football, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and and the Crown Inn is lovely. Um to the point where like, the owner very, you know, saw me like, very frustratingly trying to use my phone in there. And went, there's no, like he said, there's no signal here. The idea is, you talk to each other and, and, and like, you sort of look me up and down and just so, <laughs> went, do you just want the Wi-Fi code? <laughs> 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 um, yeah, uh, the crammed in is quite fun and I drink in there as well. But it's one of those annoying things where sort of, because I'm working, I work from home, um and I, I'm, I'm working every single Saturday, so I don't have the, you know, the punch. In the way I would like to have the pints. So as I've said to all Southampton fans, if you are needing a drinking partner, please send me a DM and I will gladly turn up and buy you a pint. Just don't talk to me about football because it's my job, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, kind of my experience of Southampton is lots of, um, student-y kind of clubs and pubs. I don't know if you heard of jesters before. That's got quite a good reputation. Um, and uh yeah, it's just just quite a few different bits kind of um spotted around really. Like I d I don't know if you've heard of Mansells as well. It's yes. The famous curry house, yeah, students um going there at free and for their curry. Um but yeah, another question I was gonna ask is so Southampton's quite a big student city. Have you have you kind of noticed that? Have you sort of, you know, picked up that kind of vibe since you've been there? Oh yeah. I
3: I think when I saw some pubs advertising like two pound vodka red bulls on it, I went, ah, ah, students, that's good. <laughs> uh, and then like, I can obviously Wednesday night is sports night for, for nearly every single university. That's right. Uh, yeah. So obviously if I like walk around town on a Wednesday, there are some places, especially around Bedford Place, which is rammed. Ah, oh uh, I remember being nineteen, Uh <laughs> seeing like people dressed up as cops and robbers and whatnot, which is fun. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, I've done, I think I've, I've given a Zoom lecture to University of Southampton students, and I've had quite, Southampton Sowell's got a very good journalism course, and I've, um, I've had quite a few of the students there ask to help with their dissertations, and that's sort all, of like, oh yeah, this is, this is what I used to do. And my <laughs> mum's a lecturer as well, so I'm, I'm trying to help out as much as I can, so yeah, oh yeah. And obviously, it's one of those things of, it is a student city, which means every now and again, I'll just be walking down the street, and I'm like, <laughs> Ah
2: yes <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, that's a shame about the Five Rivers It's, like, it's going to be like the day after tomorrow sort of, We'll wake up after the lockdown And what sort of city We're going to walk out into I don't know what I'm going to be coming back to <laughs> But I mean as for the Premier League um, What are your thoughts on Project Restart Because um, we we're looking at the Bundesliga And, and what they're doing um, And looks like the FA hey, and Premier League are going to uh, allow uh, fixtures to restart sometime soon. Um, what
3: do you think is the best way of dealing with the situation? I'm going to take off my journalist hat right now and give you my Carl anchor as a uh, hangover 29-year-old um, <laughs> opinion. Uh, I, I thoroughly expect football to return in some shape or form in the next six weeks as a sort of we can't delay things much longer uh, and there's just too, you know, football's a multi-billion pound dollar industry and, you know, the thousands upon thousands of people's livelihoods depend on it. Not just, not just the footballers, but, you know, people, you know, journalists, TV broadcasters, TV people, photographers, r- um, med- you know, physios, so coaches. Um, one thing I like mentioned to my friend two or three days ago, and I said again yesterday, was, it was really weird, just, if you watched any of the Bundesliga games this weekend, wasn't it really weird seeing a betting hand again? <laughs> uh, and, <yeah. laughs> just like, we went eight weeks with no Ray Winston. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> it, it was just like that sort of weird, like, surreal, like, oh yeah, this is, this is, this, this was a thing we've normalised. Um, there wasn't like, any plaque to in. Yeah, it's like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't miss this. Uh, but and then seeing it again, I was like, "Oh yeah, I, for, I forgot this was this was a reality for just years." Um, yeah, I, I expect football to be back in some shape or form in six weeks, basically because it 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 unfortunately reached reached a tipping point for a lot of interested parties. Um,
0: and
3: I, I I I take the opinion of Danny Rose and Troy Deeney and Tammy Abraham and a lot of. Well, I take the opinion of those gentlemen. I uh, just like bringing back football before you have a, any form of vaccine is not smart. Um, I, I wouldn't like it, but I understand people need football, and uh, you know, for for much as I say, I don't want football to come back. I got really happy when the Bundesliga came back, so <laughs> this is the really difficult thing. And I think I think a lot of the conversations we've we've seen and had recently, and there's been some, you know. Really good reporting in Athletic about it and on the BBC and on the Guardian and whatnot. And I try, I try to read as much as I can, but also I don't read too much because it makes me really anxious. <laughs> like really anxious reading about the future of Hall because it just, it, it throws so many weird like possibilities and numbers up to me. Um, and I think we should probably discuss the human a lot more rather than just Ness bring football back because you got to bring football back. But also like, you know, when Tammy Abraham said, He's got family members that have asthma or whatnot. And and what's that like when he goes home? I'm like, that's a damn good point. Uh, And I prefer thinking about stuff like that. I'm not sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but I mean, I suppose bringing back anything
3: um, before there's a vaccine is going to be
2: dangerous. I don't see why football should be an exception. And again, you can't you can't close down the whole of
3: society, you know, forever. No, you cannot. Um, But in like you know, my very naive Captain America in a. Infinity war. <laughs> but you probably should. Um, no, I feel, I, you know, I, I, my personal opinion is, is football will be back in some shape or form in six weeks. Um, to put back on my journalist hat, the, the, I think what's really interesting is how football and the discussions of football has, has seen like some really, it's just basically revealed the massive inequality and the huge Gordian knot that's been going on for years and years and years. And uh, the the differences between the EFL and the Premier League, Um and, and I think it's really interesting seeing every single club argue a compelling argument for football being brought back in some shape or form, and then another football club are, like, making a counter argument. Mm-hmm. So, Karen Brady, no, <laughs> Karen Brady. I I thought what Karen Brady said was really really brave. Just like, look, I I'm in charge of West Ham. I have a vested interest in West Ham not getting relegated. So, could you not avoid it? And I was like, yeah. oh, oh. I was like oh, "Good on you for your honesty. Um, <laughs> if you don't ask, you don't get." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I was like, fair, "Fair, fair enough for being honest in the way you want to be honest." Um, yeah. So arguments about why you should not avoid it. Um, arguments about why you should give it to to Liverpool. Um, arguments as to why you should do points per game. Arguments as to why you should just do it, just have it as is. Uh, and and the counter arguments. Every, like every day, I'm going, "Yeah, you know that makes sense," and then someone else would give a counter, and I went, "You know what? That also makes sense." I have no idea what's going on.
2: <laughs> I mean, there's no obvious solution, is there? I mean, but, I mean, do you think the the model that the Bundesliga is following is, is the right path for the Premier League?
3: I, I don't know if it's right or wrong. Also because, you know, how England dealt with Covid-19 is dramatically different from Germany. Uh, and, uh, uh, I, I will make no secret of my political leanings if you follow me on social media. Um, I think the UK handled it particularly badly and I think that's why these conversations have gone on for a bit longer than they have in Germany who who acted far more sensibly. Um I spent this, I spent this weekend like talking to my New Zealand friends who are now meeting each other up because they just immediately went into lockdown and they had no new cases of COVID in five days. And you're like, know, ah, oh, well that seems responsible.
2: Mm. Yeah, I um, you got... <laughs> Going, she, was it? She said, um, "Yeah, we're going in fast and we're going hard." And yep. Boris was, uh, what was it, herd immunity? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> so that
3: worked out well, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the interesting thing was the with the Bundesliga coming back this weekend. Was uh, so I always, I always say, love. I, I find it quite interesting watching football games behind closed doors because uh, for all the money, all the artifice, and, and the amount of branding you can do, and the way we like to present football as, as like a slick film. When you watch behind closed doors, you're like, oh yeah, this is a play. This is theater. Sometimes things go wrong. And, uh, when you watch behind closed doors, it's like you're watching rehearsal of a play. Cause you can hear all the shouts. You can hear things go wrong. You hear the <laughs> yes. false so shouts. Um, so that was cool. Uh, Harlan's, uh, socially distant celebration. I thought was cool. <laughs> the, yes. Very much. Yeah. <laughs> the very much non socially distant celebration in the Hertha of Berlin game was quite mm. cool. as I did. I, I winced when the player sucked his stance up. "Don't do that." At least it his own thing. Yeah, uh, Patrick Van Aanholt made a very—he he made one of those observations where you can be right and wrong at the same time. So Van Aanholt went, "Why are the substitutes sat one meter apart, Holt wearing masks, where they've been in the same dressing room and they're gonna, you know, charge around the pitch touching each other in a bit?" Um, and he goes, "They shouldn't. They don't need to wear masks." it's all for show and then someone oh, yeah. went well playing football is for show right now isn't it and was just all like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think
1: I think as well I was sort of um, drawing the comparisons between the Bundesliga and then the Premier League which hopefully will be you know coming back in the next few weeks um, I just thought Carl, could I sort of get your opinions on you know like the new the new rule um changes We sort of saw the five subs come in in the Bundesliga I think Schalke um, has reading really made history being the first club ever in the Bundesliga to uh to make five subs um but I think quite a lot of these um rule changes are, are quite similar so I just kind of wanted to get your your thoughts on that how do, how do you think it will go having seen the Bundesliga yesterday
3: um Michael Cox wrote a good piece about the five subs. Uh, which is basically to the effect of just make sure it's only a temporary change because if, if you oh, keep this in stone, you, again, you just see a massive momentum swing in favour of the bigger clubs mm-hmm. um, we larger squads. You know, I, I wrote a piece about Southampton's substitute habits, uh, earlier in the season and like how Ralph, he's very fond of, of substituting, he, well at the start of the season he would substitute always in the 60th minute mark mm. and then he started making later substitutions around about to like 75 and 78 and now he's gone back to making earlier subs I, I pointed this out to Ralph and he looked at me really weird just sort of like, why do you watch my team so much? <laughs> 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 um, And um, yeah, yeah and, and you know Ralph rarely makes three substitutions in the game. Mm-hmm. He has not really, you know, teams like that don't really have the squad for it. But, um, yeah, temporary changes like five subs. I think it's, it's smart now uh, due to COVID. Um, Musa Wonga, who's a fantastic, um, poet and journalist and musician, uh, raised an interesting point about how you, you, you might just see just loads more debuts for younger players or just clubs being like, you know what, this, this is kind of a free hit. Mm,
0: that's in, very in a very like, good point. Yeah.
3: In the eight or nine games that we've got left. Uh, and you're quite young, so you, you know, you, you can maintain your weird youthful body stamina longer than some of the older people yeah. who have been training exercise bikes recently. So I'm just going to play the like youngsters. <laughs> so I, I I wouldn't be surprised that more clubs in relative mid-table safeness are going to play more youngsters. Um, you saw yesterday in uh, yesterday in the Bundesliga this weekend, a lot of people's first touch have just like eroded because. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, uh, corner take, corners were a bit weird in, in the, uh, Schalke game and in the Frankfurt game, Frank, um, as well. And just sort of like, oh, there's like a little bit of ring rust everywhere, which I think is going to be really interesting. I, I wouldn't, I'm always scared of Sean Dyche's Burnley side, because, <laughs> I think, I think, of course, Sean Dyche is a well, I'm, you know, I talk about XG and, and, analytics and, and big numbers. And, you know, the joke for a while is basically Sean Dyke breaks XG. <laughs> a lot, most XG models and whatnot can't quite figure out how Burnley work because very, they do something that's just quite hard to quantify in terms of static movements, especially in the way they defend. Um, so there's either, th- you know, that's, that's the central reason as to why he, he breaks XG. The, but every now and again, you get a game you're like, no, he's, he's a demon. He's a devil. Um, and I think, you know, the way Bernie play, a relative low block, block direct football, playing off second balls and flick ons and that randomness element. If you've not played football for two or three months, why? Like, yes. yes pump it on, pumping it along to the big man might be quite, the, might be the most effective <laughs> move. That's uh, a very good point, yeah. So, so there's like stuff like that that I'm going to be really interested in. Like you're not going to be able to play a high pressing game after two months. Okay. Off. <laughs> um, I'm thoroughly expecting the way, you know, if if or when the Premier League comes back, or if or when English football does come back, it's going to resemble Community Shield style pre-season games for a little bit. Which leads me to believe the teams that play direct football and intelligent football and, and football that's really really smart on set pieces will do well. Basically, I'm saying they're going to end up in Europa League play, and Saints are going to <laughs> get relegated. Not saying.
2: Um, what do you make of the idea of neutral venues? Um, I mean, we saw in the Bundesliga that there weren't really too many problems with uh, fans congregating around the stadiums. Although, I mean, <laughs> yeah, if I Liverpool would take the title, I mean, <laughs> <Yeah. know. laughs> maybe have all neutral venues, uh, sorry, have uh, everyone plays at the normal venue except Liverpool.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Rafa Hongstein... Rafa, I just call him Rafa because he's my mate now, which is quite nice. Uh, he was on Football Focus on Saturday and he was on he, he covered the game on BT Sport and on Football Focus he, he said words to the effect of just like German football fans know better than to congregate outside of football ground right now. They understand that the world is watching and they need to behave themselves so that's not really a factor and uh, I've got a horrible feeling that the key word in that sentence is German football fans.
0: Yes. <laughs> No, I, I trust. I trust. I trust English football fans a lot. more. I, I, I think I don't know. We've we seen okay. what they're like in the European, uh, well, in the World Cups as well, and everything. It's just
3: to take off my journalist hat a little bit again, and speak to you as a civilian. Um, neutral, neutral, the interesting. For, well, my I have a, I don't know about neutral venues, but because basically it, 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 that will completely change where I live in the summer, mm. right? So I've got I've got a lease up until a certain amount of time in Southampton but if in the next six weeks they go right we're going to play eight or nine games for a month in Birmingham or we're going to play all these games in St. George's Park and it's going to be five or seven journalists covering each each club each club gets three journalists and there's three photographers and we're going to play these games in Birmingham they're like well guess I'm moving to Birmingham in the summer um or, but if they say no, we're going to play. Continue, we're going to keep playing these games, but we're going to play on a hyperloop in the in the grounds. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I can keep in Southampton. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing in neutral venues, I think again, hands a little bit of an advantage to the bigger clubs. Uh, and this is not me speaking as an expert. I have a hunch that when you play in a, in a neutral venue, just sort of the, the bigger team or the team with, with with more financial advantages get get an element because just the uh, Every sort of team, every, we know teams play better at home for reasons we still can't quite explain, despite advancements in travel and whatnot for away games. And, um, you know, the, the leading theory is basically when you play at home and you play in a stadium week in, week out, you just have a weird, acquainted perception of environments. Um, so, you know, players know if I stand in this place and hit the ball in this way, it's more likely to go top corner because I just have stood in this spot. Over and over and over again for hours and hours. Um, whereas if you play in a neutral venue, no one quite knows that, so it gets weird. Um, yeah. And I've, like a really good example of that was Spurs in their Wembley season. Mm. Wow. And, and you know, Spurs were unbeaten in White Hart Lane in their final season, and they went to Wembley for you know the Champions League games, and they went to Wembley for like it took them like three months to figure out Wembley because you could tell the players didn't quite understand where they were standing. And, you, and like, I can't evaluate that. There's no spreadsheet for doing that. And I don't, and then, you know, there's not many footballers who can articulate that in a way that you can, uh, succinctly put forward in like a paragraph. But, um, football in neutral venues, I think, again, you have that weird sort of everyone's first touch is going to be weird. Um, you're going to see a couple of overhit and underhit passes because they just like, Oh, wait, wait, how far away are you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, we saw Reeling back to Southampton now. Um since you've been covering the Saints, what what would you say has been your kind of number one favourite thing? Um I guess that can be anything, you know, Saints related, like Southampton as a city. Um yeah, what what would you what would you say about covering the Saints? God, I love Danny Ings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just I love that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh, such a pure love. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, because obviously, you know, when you, when people go, oh, who's your favourite Manchester United player? I'm like, oh, I don't know, because they've just been loads, right? And you just get used to having a certain amount of genius on the pitch that gets a bit normalised. And there were times when I was watching Manchester United during the good years where I just didn't understand or didn't really appreciate a player with a really good first touch. Whereas, sorry for how it can come across as a bit rude. When you watch Southampton where the quality level was just uh, no, no, not no. the same. Yeah, I know, I okay, know. Uh, yes, <laughs> when, someone, when someone shines brightly, oh my god, it's amazing. Um, I described Danny Ings' scoring run between like September and, and January as like a, a, an inferno that, you know, burned my eyebrows off. The other point is I'm like, he got the ball, hit, I think, he had his most recent goal against Burnley, so, you know, Southampton lost that game, but it was really fun, because he tried, he tried to do a 1-2 to Armstrong, it didn't work, the ball got loose, and he said, well, screw it, I'll just hit it myself, and he's like, hit it, first time, right foot. I was like, and I remember going, you bad, bad boy. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, watching that, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm also loving how, and I promise I'm, you know, I try not to say it too much on, um, Non-Southampton podcast. I, I love how much James Ward-Prowse is a snide.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: He's he's a proper snide.
0: Yeah.
3: That no one but no one suspects it because he's got a nice haircut, mm. no tattoos, and a double-barrel surname. But he's a, he's an oink. <laughs> like a proper little. <laughs> I, I I've watched him now going, you little dickhead. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he's my dickhead. So keep going. <laughs> yes.
0: We talked to Crystal Palace fans about him as well, and it's um.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. Oh,
0: on their at their points on like, it, not The, you know, the Zaha incidents.
3: I laughed so
0: much. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh in the
3: in the press so much. It, went, like, just, <laughs> it was obscene how much he wound up Zaha and then Zaha just could not just couldn't get couldn't get another them <laughs> Couldn't could not, <clears throat>
1: yeah i love that one in particular because i think they played um at england youth level together as well so i don't know where this (laughs) has like come from (laughs) oh it's brilliant (laughs) um yeah i was also i was also going to ask um so we've been talking about you know your your times g and i've been reading the athletic you know you saying you got like a massive database (laughs) what's um what what would you say has been your most interesting times G-stat this season from Southampton? I swear, <laughs> kind of, uh, throwing you in the deep end with that question. Um,
3: so, uh in November time, so di- during the second international break, so when, so you know, this season Southampton looked awful before the second international break, <laughs> came out, had the draw with Arsenal, they should have won, oh my God, I was so annoyed. Um, and, and then, you know, they've generally been okay, and they looked good possibly they're a tiny threat of Europa League, but now they're gonna settle into twelve, I think. Um and I remember during that international break, I, I was in the London office for the Athletic, um, just before the Arsenal game and I was just like on the computer, blah blah blah. Uh and I basically just went, Oh my goodness Uh quite loudly. Uh, two or three members <laughs> two or three members of the staff like turned turn around and stopped and looked at me and Carl, what happened? And I basically oh I'm sorry, I just like looked at this Southampton stat. It's just <laughs> gross. <laughs> um, to which my boss went, well, you, "Like, I'm glad we put you there. You care about this football team so much." <laughs> uh, and it was a, it was a data visualization, basically looking at the shooting. And I put this on after the draw, basically why decided to not be Arsenal? And it was because their shooting is awful. Um, and it was a sh- it was a shot graph of just every single shot they had had in the season up until that point. And I was like, oh, I was like. There was, there was like one cluster outside the penalty area, and I, kn- I know who the player was that was taking that shot all the time. I was
0: like, Why are you doing that? <laughs> I guess yeah.
3: Not <laughs> that. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, yeah, there've been two or three times I've just like looked at numbers. Uh, Shane Long's um being like the best aerial wins per ninety was really yes. fun. Um <laughs> uh, so, He's he's five foot eleven, and he. <laughs> Wins the ball a preposterous amount of times. And I, and I, I talked to his, uh, one of his close friends about this. I just thought, sort of, I'm like, do you know he jumps really high? And I'm like, yeah, it was, it's weird. And like, but, and I sort of like, going, here's the numbers. He jumps this high. And he's just like, what is that? <laughs> <heard> that <thing. laughs> um, which is always fun. One of my favorite stuff is basically just every now and again, we can like show the stat to the player and be like, do you know you can do this? And, and they go, <laughs>
1: What? Oh? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think as well, um, I was playing FIFA the other day and I noticed he could jump pretty high um in FIFA as well, so that's that's worth uh that's worth checking out as well. <laughs> um I was just gonna s I was also gonna ask um You know, so you've been to St Mary's a lot this season, and um, you know, it's been it's been a difficult atmosphere, I'd say. You know, the last couple of seasons. What what's your honest opinion on St Mary's as a stadium? Um, in terms of you know atmosphere, fans as a United fan, and um, kind of you know coming in as an outsider. What what would you say is your honest opinion?
3: It as a stadium, it's fine. It's you know a mid-sized stadium in the Premier League it's not it's not m- particularly different from say the King Power yeah less i mean it was designed the or... same
0: same people that did it wasn't it
3: yeah it's it's every single stadium is slightly different but St Mary's is as close to an identical stadium in the Premier League as you can get and i hope that doesn't come across as too harsh
1: <laughs> <laughs> no
3: no uh, and and the fan base i think that was a thing that took a while to get used to because again i thought I remember very clearly Alan Pardew saying, when he became Newcastle manager, Alan Pardew saying, um he made a comment about Southampton's academy, saying it was better because basically Southampton's just more middle class. And like he said, you know, there's just more, the, the, the academy players Southampton create are just smarter than the Newcastle ones, because Southampton's more middle class. And that stuck with me for a while, just like, that's a weird thing. Uh, and I remember pitching it to, I went, mean, I remember pitching it to my boss, I'm like, is there a way I can research this? And he went, well, kind of, like, look into what schools the academy players go to, um, so, which I wrote that to a lesser degree. Um, and, you know, again, went to Southampton, I thought, you know, the club was would be a, a middle-class prawn sandwiches fan base. And then you, you watch a game at St. Mary's, and I'm like, oh, you are lifers. We're talking... high <laughs> <Pie> and Bovril. <laughs> pie. Yeah, no, yeah, pie, Bovril, solid pints. One thing I find quite interesting is sort of, like, the friction there, of just there, there is, you know, they're part, you know, like every Premier League club, they, they want to put on high-end hospitality, uh, and, uh, luxury suites and whatnot, and, uh, and, you know, every, every football club has a, a beer on tap that costs seven quid in the Premier League. <laughs> uh, and I remember at the start seeing just how many Southampton fans were really mad at that. Like, how are you charging five quid for a beer, Southampton? I remember going, it's five quid for a beer. My London brain didn't think that was wrong. <laughs> um, but just seeing that. Like gap between price points of the club and the fan base really. I mean, oh, this is the fans. This this is these are people that really care. But it, is...
0: Believe it though. But when we have like any fan forums with the with the board, that's usually the, one of the questions that gets asked all the time. Like, are you going to lower the prices on the concourse? are we going to be able to get a pie and a a pint for less than a fiver? It's just always the same question. So, yeah, something that we're quite passionate about, I think.
3: (laughs) I think think that that made a thing. I I do think at the start of the season, St. Mary's was quiet, and obviously it it reached tipping point in in December, because obviously they hadn't won any games. And it's that thing of, oh, my God, the, the fans are really, really quiet. And then you're going, well, they've won... 15 games out of 62 at home over the last three years. Going into Southampton 1, Chelsea 4, uh, uh near the start of the season, uh, it was 15 wins out of 62 at home. That's so on incredible. average, <laughs> on average, basically since, since kuman left, Um since Coombe left, Southampton win five games at home. Wow. Per, per season. Per season. And I'm like, well, no wonder the fans are quiet. I'm, I'm like, why enough are you buying season tickets when you're going to see a team win five times at home? Um, mm. was like a, I remember like spending a week just talking to fans going, why do you keep spending this money? <laughs> <laughs> um so which, you get, that's what you're supposed to do. You support your team through thick and thin and it just seems to be a bit thin right now. Mm-hmm. Um and I've, you know, I've been there in moments, you know, I was, I was there during that game. I saw fans leave at 3-0. I saw fans walk out at 5-0 at half time. Um, I heard the adage, 3-0 down, go back to town. Uh um, <laughs> yeah, Southampton fans have a nice there's a good self deprecation streak there too. Um but I do remember the noise the crowd made when James Wood Prowse whipped in that free kick to make it two one against Watford. And I was <laughs> like there it is. Yeah. That's worse. And I've 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 heard Southampton fans outsing Manchester City fans in the Etihad. So um Yeah, the old Elf- way fans when they chant yellow and whatnot are really, really good and and you know, I was at Fratton Park, so
0: Wow, <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> yeah, okay, we we'll start with Freddie Bailey on Instagram. He wants to know: Do you think any of the fringe players will be sold?
3: Uh, there, there's there's a lot of players Southampton would like to sell, and that. Has been said quite loudly by senior management figures. So you know, Toby Steele, when when the last financial report came out, Toby Steele basically went, you know, we went from making a forty million profit to a thirty million loss because the season before we sold where Van Dyke was seventy five. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this season we've got, he said, I think he made, you know, he 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 made comments along the lines of, this season we've got like a hundred million worth of assets we'd prefer to sell, but is currently online. Uh, I think, yeah, I think I, prob- I, don't, I, I wrote this after the one-one draw we against Wolves. With basically, you know, Southampton used to be the the model of a selling club, whereas you know they're in this weird state where they're a selling club with no one really to sell, um, and, and some players that you know then aren't really suitable for for Rafa desires. Like he need, he wants to move on, but can't quite yet. Um, yeah, there's four or five players that. Are definitely going to be on the transfer market this summer. That I think Ralph Hassel would like to get move on, but I think quite a few of those players will probably sold at a loss. Oh yes,
0: yeah. which,
3: yeah, which yeah. Uh, makes things difficult. And also, like, oh, oh, the transfer window is going to be very, very weird. Mm. I don't know when it's going to happen because uh, of the seasons, but you're going to see one of the weirdest transfer windows you've ever seen in your life. Yes, like, there's there's a lot of evidence. Um, and a lot of talk, of basically we're gonna, there's gonna be a lot of free signings, there's gonna be a lot of Bosmans, um it's gonna be a lot of weird wages, uh, and we might basically get to a return of like bartering and trading, um, and, uh, player swaps. Mm. Which, uh, I mean, there, there can be a right hassle to get sought out in terms of can- contract stuff, but you might just basically see players, you know, football clubs go, I, look, I need a left back. I'll give you this spare material I've got if you give your left back um i think you might see a lot of that happen
0: okay um we got one from from matt markstein uh the the burning question that we all want answering (laughs) um you have to give up one for a week uh in quarantine banana bread making alcohol reading or video games
3: um well i just got a brand new star wars game so i'm going to give up alcohol for a week because i'm hungover (laughs) interesting i'm hungover so i need to give up alcohol for a week
0: Okay, uh, Andrew Dean on Twitter asks Will Carl be allowed to all the remaining games, assuming they all go ahead? And what do you think of the NAF black half on our kit?
3: Oh, that that black border is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's awful. <laughs> all, all three Southampton kits are not pretty yes, this season. Yes, no, I totally um, agree. Um, sorry, sorry, on their armour. <laughs> uh, and in terms of will I be allowed in the stadiums, I have no idea. Okay. That's that's one that's one big thing uh none of us really know. Uh to so to go back to that thing like behind closed doors. I have no idea of that. Yeah. So if the, you know, in that in terms of neutral stadiums and if the games are set marriage.
2: I mean is it that they let in all journalists or no journalists?
3: Um Hertha Berlin had ten journalists and three photographers with on accreditation on Saturday. Mm, but that okay. was just, that was just Hertha Berlin. I don't know what went on in the River Derby or what not. Um, so, yeah, And uh, I expect that's, there might be, there might be more. I, and of those 10 journals, I don't know where they came from. And it's that thing of, there are normally 15, 16 at a Southampton home game. Uh, would I make the cut if you invite, if they invite 10? I don't know.
0: Possibly. Mm. Chris Williams on Twitter says that's an interesting one. Um is James Ward Prowse the new navigator?
3: <laughs> no, one's the new navigator. Not even navigator. Um <laughs> oh God, like if you, if you haven't seen that Leipzig navigator was unbelievable. Um you could do everything. Yeah. Everything. He he tackled, he dribbled, he passed, he scored. He he he's the player that you think Paul Pogba was. I said it. I said it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there, there is no new Nabi because, oh man,
0: <laughs> Nabi was so good. Was so good. And he also <laughs> asks, uh, what are your areas, uh, for growth next season and will we keep Pierre and who could replace him?
3: Um, areas for growth. Southampton need new fullbacks. Mm. Uh, that's, that's been known for a long, long time. Um, and, and the priority there changes. The interesting thing is the priority for fullbacks changes quite, like within, a Ralph Hassel press conference quite often. Like he's got, he will start a sentence but like, I need a new right back. And then by the end of this, no, actually, I probably need a new left back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, they need a new left back to, to take some of the strain off Bertrand. Um, and we'll see about Vokens mm-hmm. because Hassel's gone back and forth on whether or not he thinks Vokens is, is, uh, you know, there have been times where he's gone, Vokens is a young guy who needs to work on his one v And then a month later, He's going, you know what, actually Vokins is good enough. I'm not sure if that, you know, he said that that was, that was the four weeks of January where I need a new left back. Ah, Vokins is fine. And mm. I'm not sure if he said Vokins did something in those four weeks or if, if they simply couldn't get the left back target they wanted. Um, the right back situation is, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if they want to keep, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Carl Walker Peters. Um, and, and Cedric Suarez is going to be a free agent. Yeah. And I don't think Cedric Suarez was a good right back in the first place. Mm. I said it. <laughs> okay.
0: um, and Hoiberg? uh,
3: and, uh, Heiberg? Heiberg, uh I, this, I wrote this one, uh, it came out on Saturday.
0: Yes, I, I have to confess I haven't read this one yet. So.
3: Hoiberg made some very interesting comments in an uh, interview with German television this week, where he basically said, I know my plan, yep. and, and, so, and the club knows it too, um, <laughs> and I, I want to win the Premier League and I want to win the Champions League. Man, Ralph Hassel's a good manager. I don't think he's that good a manager. <laughs> um, I, th- I think I think a roadmap is being constructed okay. um, for Hoyberg's future, and I think that future will see him not be a Southampton player in 2021. no how... talent. The year I gave. <laughs> um,
2: okay. I mean, how do you think we're going to be able to fill the
3: Pierre Emil-shaped hole in the squad then? You have to go in the market, I would imagine so. But oh. again, again, the transfer window makes things very, very particular. So I wrote in the article, we, we know for a fact he was linked to Tom Hotspur yep. on the final day of the January transfer window. Mm-hmm. Um, pre, like during a press conference, I was mid conversation with Ralph and then we all sort of sat in the room as Sky Sports notifications went up on our phone saying Hoi has gone. Um, and, and a, another journalist chipped to win. Um, Ralph, there's, is Hoiberg leaving? And he, I <laughs> Ralph went, and Ralph just like gave very curt, no chance. Um, uh, so that was on the final day, the transfer window. We know that, uh, Carlo Ancelotti is a fan. Yep. Of him. Um, I had a look at the numbers and Hoiberg would start for both, cl- both clubs. Like on, on terms of, if you like just did the spreadsheet stuff, you like, here's what these, here's what, Tottenham's midfield do and what they need. I'm like, oh yeah, Hoiberg would improve that. Uh, and here's Everton's midfield and what they do. You're like, oh yeah, Hoiberg would improve that too. So I think it'd start for both clubs. I don't know if Spurs would match Southampton's valuation of the player. Um, and even if the transfer market was normal, I don't think they w- would match that valuation. Um, and now the transfer market is going to get really, really weird. I don't think that will happen. Or I think there will be a long discussion over that. I think you know Spurs will try and lowball it as they often do, um, <laughs> yeah. and I think Southampton will be very much we want 30 million ish. Um, <clears throat> as for Everton, I don't know.
0: Okay. Um, Sam asks: uh, As supporters, we often look through rose-tinted glasses. Is Ralph as good as we think he is, or is it just because we've had such crap before him that we make him out to be a god?
3: Here's an interesting stat. Ralph Hassel has won the same amount of games at, no, Ralph Hassel won, Ralph Hassel and Pochettino have been in charge for 60 games in Southampton. Most people regard Pochettino the best Southampton manager in a long, long time, right? Mm-hmm. right. So, Ralph Hassell... uh, no, let me get the numbers up right now. Pochettino has been in charge, was in charge for 60 games and he won 23 times. Ralph Hassell was in charge for 60 games, and he has won 21 times. Mm. But you would not put those two in the same class of Southampton manager yet, would you?
0: No, of course not.
3: Um, because the fun thing about football is not, is not how many times you win, it's also when you win. Um, I, I think Ralph Hassel is... Ross Wilson called Hassel the best manager Southampton's had since Koeman. And uh, I'm I'm of that belief now. I think he's just past Puel in the last couple of weeks. Um, I think the way he wants Southampton to play football, if they do that for two or three seasons, they will be fine and will be in the top half of the Premier League table for a while. And he buys into the players he wants to do. Will be good. Um, even when Southampton were bad, they were bad in a way that was... <clears throat> they were bad, but also the numbers and the underlying numbers and the spreadsheet stuff when they should be fine later. Um, so, you know, during that really bad round at the start of the season, Ralph went, don't pay attention to the Premier League table. Like, wait until we've played everyone 18 times. Uh, And, Mm -hmm. everyone's like, well, you're you're mad. Like, what on earth are you talking about? And then, lo and behold, they played everyone once, and they were, like, (laughs) 12. And they, I think they'd, they'd lost two more games than they'd won, in that real sort of, oh yeah, that's, he he knew what he was doing. Um, I mean, it, it, it was painful, but, it knew what they were doing. Um, and I think, that's what happens, and I think the the thing about southampton is uh, i've I've used this analogy for a bit it's um it's a bit like when you listen to a rock band, but then every now and again someone in the band hits a wrong note, <laughs> and that's and when that you hear that wrong note, that's when Southampton concede <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that happens quite often where they're like they're playing a song and names <laughs> they <laughs> um. Uh, and there, there's like a unique frustration I get when I'm, cause obviously I, I live tweet when I'm covering these games as well. Um, and there are two or three times where I'll be tweeting and I'm like, Southampton are in the ascendancy, blah, blah, blah. They, they're in the ascendancy, they're missing two or three chances and the opposition scored, which, which, which has happened two or three times. Uh, but a lot of those, a lot of those are like chronic problems that have been about from Southampton since the Cuman days. So, you know, since Claude Puel was in charge, Southampton, have had a massive problem scoring goals. Um, but Puel managed to make the defence good because he had Virgil van Dijk. Then Virgil van Dijk left. Um, and then, you know, Pellegrino's management wasn't very, very good. Um, and then the defence, like, uh, and So you've got this thing of Southampton can play quite good passing football that can be quite slow at times. Um, and then the opponent will just wander down the other side and score. And that's been going on since Pellegrino, that's been going on since Hughes, uh, and, and that still, that happened for like a large chunk of hassle. But I think he's getting better at doing it, and he's, he's using some very interesting, like, homemade DIY to remedy some problems that are, are genuinely really, really clever. Like, there are two or three things they do, I'm like, oh, that's really smart to get around the limitation. And the way he stations Bennerack and Stevens, and where they stand when the team is attacking, is really clever. Um, it's like a really, really good estimate from Hassel being like, right, VARs here. I've got two defenders that aren't the fastest, but I want to play high pressing football. So I know if I make them stand this far apart and this high up the pitch, we should be fine, and I should get enough offside calls, especially at home, which is genuinely remarkable. And you catch Hassel in a good mood, and he will explain stuff like that to you. Um, I think that's cool, and I think there is, there is, but also he has that type. You know, he has a tendency of. Overcomplicating stuff. Oh yes, like like all smart people can do. Um, and like Southampton are so bad at a team that plays two up top, because in the same way that Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool had problems before Van Dijk turned up, because when you like in, in like a lot of German football, a lot of people educate in German football, and a lot of German managers will stress the importance of one V on. And it's like a it's like a weird rugby style thing of basically as long as every individual player makes all their tackles. I don't, like, we should win.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And if that's, if that's a sort of, like, I do my back four have to win their 1v1s, otherwise this entire system will fall apart. Um and to find players that are good in the 1v1s is really, really hard. This is why centre backs are going to get really, really expensive. So, Ralph's system right now means, like, works well if a team plays one up top, because you're basically going Benarak, Stevens, beat up that, beat up that centre forward.
0: Yes. yes. But the
3: moment they play two up top, it's Benarak versus one striker, mm-hmm. and it's Stevens striker and then it becomes an arm wrestle and you know they're much improved this year but they're not elite top t- they're not top six defenders no. um and you know they're both they're both quite young so you know in their terms of like their career so when they're getting get them, 29 they probably could be there hmm. but that's where the problems happen in when you play two up top which is like a really really long uh, way to explain that <laughs> Where, you know, I suppose if, if I told your dad that, he'd be like, well, he's rubbish because he can't deal with a 4-4-2. <laughs> <laughs> Fine,
0: yeah, email from Nathan. It says, what were your expectations for us at the start of the season and what were your hopes for Shea Adams following pre-season? Uh,
3: so I the very first press conference I had, I, I remember walking in um and I spoke to a Southampton staff member. And I've got you predicted to finish 12th. And he went, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, and and Southampton are 14th now. Uh, uh, when Southampton got to halfway through the season, they uh, hit the 18 mark, 18, 18 points played. They they were 12, and I was like, "Oh, I'm a genius." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I spoke to two or three senior members of the club when things were bad. Um, I uh, said, "Well, I said, you know, in that weird nerdish way that, that can be quite annoying." I went, "Well, you know," I said, "Have faith, but basically, you're going to be 12 in." went, what i went here's went here's the numbers here's what my spreadsheet showing me um and like you're good at this you're good at this and good, good at this and basically here's the run where you're gonna get enough points to finish to end up as well and it happened um not in the right order because was never that simple but I, I, no one predicted Ings doing that but hooray um shea Adams oh man <laughs> Poor bastard yeah he's he's doing it the sheffield United game was the big one so if, uh, the example I give was basically Tammy Abraham didn't start the season that well. Well, he, he, Tammy Abraham started the first two games and he was like, fine. And then he got two goals against Norwich. And then he got more goals against, I think he got a hat trick against Sheffield United. And then he's just been fine since. He's been a bit streaky, but that was the thing. So, so when Southampton went in against Sheffield United, they went, this will happen again. You'll get a player, not used to Premier League football, but he's playing against Championship opposition. And he's used to scoring against Championship opposition, so Shea Adams should score against Sheffield United and then he'll be fine. And he did everything that game for seventy seven minutes but score. He got a good header, he got a great shot, he did uh he really made Dean Henderson work, hit the post. Uh, and I was like, This is it, he's gonna he's gonna yeah. get his goal and, fine. and then he didn't, and I was just like, Oh boy. Yeah, it's um, it's cruel. And his game time's been limited, um since he's he's not really getting the minutes that because uh, the way Ralph's changes formation um, substitutions, he's not you know normally it it would be substitution on 60 minutes and then in 75 minutes Stuart Armstrong would come on mm. that start of the season. Whereas now it's got it's changed a bit, so Shea is getting maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes, which is hard for a striker to Definitely, get into. Yeah. yeah,
0: if you need that, um, if you need that little bit of confidence to get you going. But I mean, he has been playing a lot better lately, and this well in his previous games.
3: He has, he has. His whole is he's not as good in the air as Shane Long because Shane Long is really good in the air, mm. like ridiculously good in the air. Um which causes stuff. And I think one thing that I'm gonna offer out, uh I think he plays better up front with uh Michael Baffemi than he does with Danny Engs, mm. which is another thing I, I didn't see going. Um yeah, Ralph Hustle's system relies on a lot of direct balls up top and a lot of flick ons from Shane Long, which is why Danny Engs gets He's able to do what he does. Whereas if you do that with Shay Adams in, and Dannings on top, Shay Adams isn't the person to get the flick-ons and ha- like prefers it played into space. So that doesn't that doesn't quite work as a strike partnership yet. Um, whereas Obafemi very quick likes, likes flick-ons, likes running into space as well. Uh, I think they have a better partnership up front. I, mean, I think the best the best game for both of them was the two zero victory over Chelsea, where Dannings was like a ten minutes up mm. because those two got on.
0: Uh, email from Simon. here's it's the last email we've got. Yeah. Um, do you think the decision to end League Two this week will have any impact on the decision to continue the Premier League, or is money dictating that decision? <laughs>
3: uh, in the capitalist society, <laughs> money dictates everything.
0: Um,
3: <laughs> workers unite, join a yeah. union. Um, I, I, think, I think the decision for League Two, uh, League Two and League One have been on the big... Uh, you know, I think League One is also in in in, in speculation of ending early as yes. well. Um, uh, but I think I think there's just there's too much money in, in there are too many interested parties in the Premier League continuing, so I think the Premier League will will, will go on. Yeah. I guess
2: and the Championship as well. If um you know promotion to the Premier League is the main prize,
3: that's the same deal, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's more than promotion to the Premier League. I think there's there's some the TV money. Uh, you know, you I think. One thing that has become quite apparent during these during the COVID-related suspension football is you're now seeing the financial reports, and you're seeing how dependent so many clubs are on mm, TV money, and, and how many is. clubs, especially in the Championship, are making that gamble of being we'll spend all this money, but if we get in the Premier League to the promised land, we'll be fine financially. Um, and uh, you know the the number you know, wage wage to turnover. Mm. So you know how much money you're spending on wages compared to how much money you have total. Um, and I remember very, very clearly that when Leeds United got relegated from the Premier League, everyone was going, oh my God, Leeds United got relegated, and there was 70% of their annual turnover was committed on wages. And that was considered kamikaze spending, mm. 70%. Whereas you look now, and there are there's uh, four clubs in the Premier League over 70%, um, at least 10 clubs in the Championship over 70%. And then obviously, you know, things have changed since the early two thousands when leads went down and the amount of money that's come in and whatnot um has created stuff but Yeah, I'm pulling yeah. your face. Which is not very it's not very good to do that when you're in a podcast, but I'm sorry I'm pulling <laughs> <your face.
0: laughs> uh, Right okay, we've got um one more question and it's actually from me. Um we discussed last week, guys, that uh if we had to complete the remainder of the season as an indoor five side you know, how would you pick your Saints uh, lineup? So I was going to ask you, Carl, what would be your Saints five-a-side lineup?
1: Oh, uh,
3: so Danny Ing's up top. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, James Will Prowse.
0: Yes, same here. This
3: night. You're playing two uh, at the back? Uh, no, I do the diamond. Okay. So, uh, Michael Cox said you don't need a defender. No. Nice. You don't need a real, you don't need a real defender when you do five-a-side because you just need someone who can, like, distribute and just, be comfortable on the ball. hold the
0: ball, yeah. Just hold the ball. Yeah. That and be, energetic. uh,
3: energetic. Yeah, so, uh, James Will Prouse at the base of the diamond, Danny's up top, uh Moussa and Oh yeah. Oh, there's a hear, we're playing Five side right? Yeah. Are we playing a Side in a cage? Yes. Or not.
0: <laughs> this is this is really in depth. Yeah, we're gonna go in a cage.
3: If we're going in a the cage and I want Bufal. Okay. If we're not, I'm going with Sue Armstrong.
0: Okay. And your goalkeeper? Yeah, Angus Gunn. Okay. Oh, Angus Gunn. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. And he's
3: choice. He's good with his feet.
0: OK, I've taken the liberty of doing a, a Man United 5 side as well. So I've gone David De Gea in goal, obviously. I've gone Harry Maguire and I've gone Matic because hmm? I thought, you know... Oh! No, yeah, Matic, no, there's no... He's good on the ball. There's, he, pace, no, 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 no. pace is not <laughs> pace is not really a thing, so I think Daniel James is wasted in five-a-side. And I'm going to go Pogba and Rashford.
3: I'm swapping Matic for uh, Martial. Mm, yeah, Martial.
0: Yeah. Well, I thought Matic because he's more defensive, defensive minded. But if you've got Maguire a, there anyway, he's, he's a puncher, isn't it?
3: Matic has a very large turning circle. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, Pogba at the base, yeah. Martial on one side, Rashford on one side.
0: You're having Maguire and De Gea. No, I don't know. If, I don't know if you need Maguire. Okay. That's the thing. So no. Again, I,
3: if, if you're playing, if you're playing in the cage, I don't need Maguire. But if I'm not playing in the cage, I do need Maguire. If I'm playing in the cage, then I can use Pogba as my defender. Well, Pogba doesn't like defending.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Anyway, okay, right, last, last thing. No. Okay, we've got a little, got a little uh, task for all, all three of you. There are seven, because obviously you're, you write for The Athletic, so there are, are seven football clubs that are athletics. I think you could probably name all of them. Wigan. There's one. Stalton There's two. And I just want to say there's only three in England. And the rest of them are in Scotland.
3: Oh man!
0: Go on, Kev. You're you're good at this. Um, Oldham. Oldham. There we go. There's three in England. Wigan, Cheltenham, Oldham.
2: I know one Scottish one. uh... Go on. Alloa, Alloa
1: Athletic. Yes, Steve. But there's more. I'm useless at Scottish football.
0: (laughs) Anybody else? Um,
3: I'm I'm all out. (laughs)
1: Okay, so they're
2: not AFC Wimbledon, yeah, if
0: you could count that, you would count Bournemouth as well, wouldn't you? But no. The, yeah. um, so you've got yeah um, so you've got Wigan oh, Charlton <laughs> Oldham Dunfermline
3: ah.
0: Alloa, Fulfa and Annan. but yeah Anon. I, I, I push you can include Bournemouth but yeah okay um, anyway our usual two questions to end the podcast um, would you rather be twice the height of Yannick Vestergaard or half the height of Kyle Walker-Peters
3: twice the height of Vestergaard yeah 12 foot 12 <laughs> what life <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's what I reckon too. I'm go, I go with that. Okay. Yeah, could, uh,
2: just give, give you a, a, a smartphone and um, you've got the aerial view. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so kind of mix it up um, our usual question here as a United fan. Um, so you, would you rather have to wear a Pompey shirt when you're on duty at St Mary's? Um, <laughs> and the Liverpool shirt the rest of the time for five years, or sleep in a haunted house for ten years. How haunted?
0: Very. We're talking like, like
2: movie haunted. Yeah, I mean, the the ghost of um, Gerard Hullier is there. No, um, <laughs> he's not dead. Yeah, he's not dead, And yet. <laughs> And, um, yeah, the fucker with the bell. <laughs> <laughs> Um <laughs> he's, your, uh, he's your butler.
3: You know what? Having been to Threaten and having seen how visceral the hatred between the clubs are in the South Coast Derby, I'm not ever wearing a Pompey shirt. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll, give, I'll be in a White House.
0: Okay.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Genuinely, genuinely the best Derby I've been to. Just never heard some noise like it. That was incredible.
0: Amazing, yeah. Well done. Good. Yeah. Oh, well done for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, anyway, uh that's about it today. So thank you so much for joining us. It's been it's been a blast.
3: Yeah. Thank you very much.
0: So yeah, make sure you uh you stay safe and you keep alert and uh yeah, keep up the good work. I always look forward to, to reading it. Um and I'm hoping whatever you do in the future you'll always keep Southampton close and you'll follow them from afar. Absolutely. Brilliant.
3: It's been a pleasure, boys. <laughs> Cheers, Carl. Yeah. Congrats to
2: so
1: that was <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. Cheers, Carl of the saints of the saints indeed hi i'm
0: matt letizia and
2: thank you for listening to in that number (laughs) number!
0: okay we are going with the quiz okay right we are going today back to the year 2012 hey hey? end of the world world. (laughs) okay so who won euro 2012 say your name
2: Kevin, Kevin. Wow. Spain Spain.
0: It was, it was Spain. Do you know what? I ain't even got a pen and paper. I normally write down who's done what. Sorry, but. One point, Steve. Uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Uh, for a bonus, who did they beat in the final? Kevin. Kevin, just about. Italy. It was Italy! Well done! Very good. Uh, and for a bonus, where? Kevin. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, where was the final? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah
0: Kiev no, oh fuck off Kev <laughs> well done um, Kev's won uh, and not yet not yet okay uh, who won the Champions League uh,
1: Steve it was Real Madrid it wasn't no Kevin um, didn't Chelsea yeah, win he
0: did win it my god Kev. Yes, yes it was yeah uh, and who did they beat in the final too quick for me Steve oh, Bayern it Munich. was Bayern Munich. And where was it? Yeah. So where was the final? Steve.
1: In, it was, um, in Bayern, it was, Bayern Munich it Stadium. Was in Munich, the Allianz, yeah, well done. That's the one. Yeah, Munich, that's the one.
0: Uh, <laughs> who won the Premier League?
2: Kevin. Go on. City Aguero! It was Man
0: City, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> who finished bottom? Steve. Uh,
1: uh, probably guessing QPR? It
0: wasn't QPR.
1: Oh, um...
0: Kevin? Boom. <laughs> no, it was Wolves.
2: No, oh. oh, I didn't Are even know Uh saying it now, would you?
0: No, I know. Uh, who won the FA Cup? Steve. Kevin? Steve. Uh,
1: probably City. It
0: wasn't City. Kevin? Oh, go on, Kev. United? No, no, it wasn't United. It was Chelsea. Oh. Chelsea oh. done the Cup and... Cup? Double. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and who was runner-up in that final Kevin go on United. it wasn't United um
1: oh um, Steve go
0: uh, Arsenal no it wasn't Kevin oh go on Kev was
2: it Wigan
0: was it Wigan no, <laughs> no uh, wrong final yeah no it was actually Liverpool oh who Liverpool you know that team that's top of the Premier <laughs> League <laughs> Um okay, and where did Saints finish in the championship that year? Kevin. Come on. Second. They were seconds, yeah. that was the year they got promoted, wasn't it? Um and who was, who was the manager? Kevin. Go on. I'm Nigel. It was Nigel Atkins. <laughs> Kev, you're running, running, away with this. Who uh, was top scorer? Kev. Oh, I think that was even.
2: Oh,
0: uh, I <laughs> <laughs> Steve got there first, I'm gonna go Lambert, it was, okay. I was, I,
2: I was, I was disagreeing with your uh, decision. <laughs>
0: Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, it was Ricky yeah, And does anybody know how many so, he scored? Closest person gets the point in all competitions. Oh, he's we'll got that. Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. What are you going for, Kev? Fine. Uh, Steve gets the point. It was thirty-one. Fucking hell. Yeah. Yeah. What? Okay, right.
2: Dude,
0: Remember what we did last week? We had to name all the Uniteds, and if you got any in the in League Two, you got it. You got no points. We're <laughs> going to do that again, but we're going to do it with Man City. <laughs> how many Man City's are there well, we're uh, going to do it with City
2: how many wankers are there in Man City <laughs> sorry
0: <laughs> we're going to do it with City Kev you go first um,
2: Man City <laughs>
0: <laughs> well done
1: yeah
0: like Calc <laughs> yeah uh, right so we're saying
1: Prem Championship League One yeah. Bristol City
0: yes Coventry City yes Ooh. sorry yes you're right guys come on this is appalling You've got Man City, Bristol City, City, Coventry City, Swansea City. Well done, Kevin. Is that it? Mm. Are you done, Kev? (laughs) (laughs) I've got one. Birmingham City. Birmingham City. Do you want to go again, Steve? Because Kev did two in a row. Cardiff City. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Norwich City. Norwich City. Well done. There's one more in the Premier League, by the way. Leicester City. Leicester City. City. There we go. We're firing now. Three more.
2: Um, Stokes City.
0: Well done. Lincoln City. Well done.
1: Fucking hell, that's low down,
0: isn't it? Yeah, there's there's <sighs> four left and only one of them is right. I think I've got it. Go on. Ah, uh, maybe maybe do, maybe don't. Bradford City it isn't Bradford are in League Two. So, Kev, if you is. can get this one right, you've got the point. Uh, oh Jesus. Uh, we've we got all the Premiership ones, zoom not we? Yeah. Looking for a championship one. I don't. Okay. It was Hull City. Oh. And the yeah. three wrong were Bradford, Exeter, and Salford. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was good. Salford. That was good. Salford, Salford City. City. Yeah, Salford City. Temple club. But are they not? Are they not league? They're league, league two now, mate. They got promoted last year. Oh right, um, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So next week we're, we're going to do all the Wednesdays. <laughs> 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 um, of
2: course Wednesday. <laughs>
1: Um,
0: Right, and again, name the player. Uh, I'm from these clubs. If you don't get it, I'll put it out on Twitter and Instagram, etc. Grimsby Town, Crystal Palace, Charlton Athletic, Southampton, Bolton Wanderers, Carlisle United... Exeter city. Um, no, you're not going to get that, are you? No one's going to get no. it. No, I move on. But anyway, uh, we'll put that, we'll put that out on on our social media and stuff. Um, the results of the quiz, Kev, Kev, you won to uh, seven to four. Oh, it wasn't it was, so bad. You know, eight four. Sorry, I can't count.
1: Oh, maybe that's all right.
0: Not too bad. Um, anyway, guys, almost um, fun. almost almost there. I just want to chat out to the, about the Bundesliga with you. Um, I, we've decided to pick teams to follow and support until. The Premier League
2: is oh, back. Um, well, Bundesliga. You know what? I'm definitely Borussia Mönchengladbach.
0: Hey, well done. <laughs> um, I've gone Werder Bremen. Uh, currently sat in 17th place, second from bottom, four points from the from the drop. Um, I'm just like, hopefully they can pull it out. I say I told you. I'm a glutton for punishment. I have to take these crap teams. <laughs> um, do you, can you believe that Claudio Pizarro is still playing? He he was, yeah. he was born in the 70s. Yeah. He's 41. Wow. Yeah. He was getting on a bit when he played for Chelsea all. in 2009. I thought, Christ, they buying an old striker there, an old player there. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I thought we could all pick a team and actively watch them and then report back, you know, on the next one. Um, Bremen play on Monday night against Leverkusen. So, But, yeah, I, I thought, I mean, Kev, you've gone with RB Leipzig. You've gone for the, the hipster choice. Is that really
2: hipster, hipster choice? choice? Yeah. I yeah I I think the philosophy and the history of the club um goes against everything I believe in, but yeah. um <laughs> exactly. I think the I mean one of my my favourite team's stood Stuttgart but they're um, stuck in the second and yeah. the league at the moment. Um, so the only real club I had a connection to is a uh, Ralph's former club and um yeah.
0: I think I've got this spot on, to be honest. Yeah, good, good result yesterday, yeah. Um, oh um, Jesus, I watched that. Man. I know. Fair and Steve, your team is, is normally Borussia Dortmund, isn't it? But I've said no one in yes. the top half. We want to have a bit of a, bit, make it a bit more interesting. <laughs> yeah. So you've gone for Cologne. For FC Korn. Yes. Yeah. They're one, won one oh, nine. they're playing now. Yeah. Of course. Nice choice. Nice choice. Um, but I've got a little flow chart here that I thought we could try. I don't know if you've, you've probably seen it or not going around online, or you've probably seen lots of them. But I thought I'd give it a go anyway, um, just for a bit of fun. I'll start with. I'll start with you, Kev. Okay. Um, right. This first one's a bit weird. But um, are you interested in winning? <laughs> yes, no, or sometimes. Sometimes. Okay. Are you a corporate lackey?
2: You know, if I'm gonna try and end up with Leipzig, I'm going to have to say yes, but no. No, you're
0: not. uh, Leipzig's going to be your team, okay, but we're just going to do this anyway and see who you end up. So you're going to say no. Um, Yeah. It's in the 60th minute and you're a goal down. Do you head to your luxury car? No. No. Do you know if you'd have said yes then, you'd have ended up at Stuttgart. (laughs) Um, No. Okay. Uh, Are you uh, insufferably arrogant on account of achievements in the the distant past? No. Uh, Does fascist architecture appeal to you? Not at all. Um, <laughs> uh, do you enjoy uh, experiencing all the highs and lows that life has to offer? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you're uh, Borussia it. Wow, you <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Steve, do you care to have a go? I'd love a go. Okay. Again, are you interested in winning? Yes, no, or sometimes? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> do, does losing uh, vitally give you pride? Um, yes. Yes. Uh, do you
1: wear socks in your uh, in your sandals? <laughs> I don't wear sandals um, I'm going to say yeah just because it's a oh, Okay, you're Freiburg
0: ah uh, yeah
1: oh. Freiburg got a good result it? yeah against your log- yeah, okay. yeah
2: I, I, I remember feeling um, quite excited about Freiburg they were pushing for Europe yeah they are mm. Mm. now there's a little bit of a technological breakthrough that's going to enable this to happen so um, I've got a little quiz for you uh, and it's called Torhin der Bundesliga Okay, so I'm going to play you um, One of the bits of music That gets played whenever um, A Bundesliga team scores a goal And you have to get, tell me which team it is How
0: the fuck am I going to get that? <laughs> <laughs> just to just oh, guess I get
1: like one oh, okay.
0: Any guesses? Oh. Uh Nuremberg.
2: No. Nice. Steve?
1: Um. Mainz? Not a bad guess.
2: Any other guesses?
0: Oh, Cologne. Oh. Yes. Yes. Yeah,
2: he's just yes. Said Steve's <laughs> new favourite team, <laughs> Cologne. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, I'll have to stop screen sharing for the next one. Are you enjoying this? Perfect. <laughs> okay, second one. Here we go. It's got a very jolly German feel to so. it. Are,
0: there any, are um, there any lyrics to this?
2: It might be in a little bit, yeah. I
0: know it's but then... Any guesses? Harder No. Leverkusen?
2: Uh, that was Mainz. There we go. So yeah, who sings Pet Shop Boys whenever this goes on? Amber? No, if you know your German, maybe make out what they're saying. Day, the of no, I That's the
0: How did you not get no. that one, Steve? Biff
1: that. We were doing that yesterday.
0: Okay, right. I think that is about it this week. Um, unless yep. you want to do a Russian phrase, Kevin, or a German phrase, perhaps, Steve. Have you got a German yes. phrase for us?
1: I can do a German phrase, yep. Okay, you ready for this? Yep. Um, okay, das Einhörnchen ist
0: eine Nuss. Das Eichhörnchen ist eine Nuss. Das Eichhörnchen ist eine Nuss.
1: Ja,
2: ist eine Nuss. Oh. The squirrel eats a nut. Nah. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly <laughs> right. It's
1: supposed to be one of the hardest words to say in German.
0: Eichhörnchen. Yeah. That's it. <laughs>
2: it's supposed to be difficult.
0: Okay.
2: Just like the Germans saying, saying
0: squirrel. Oh yeah, squirrel. <laughs> Kevin, do you have a Russian phrase?
2: Do okay, so yeah, this week um, as we're waiting for Project Restart, it's Perizagruska.
0: Perizagruska.
1: Perizagruska. Perizagruska. Yeah. Perizagruska.
2: So restart. Yeah, restart. Um, Yeah, which is what I'm going to have to do uh, to my computer after all those wonderful (laughs) Bundesliga (laughs) tunes.
0: Okay, we leave with my "We March On" in a in a language that you have to try and guess. Okay, are you ready? Okay. Me yeah, yeah. Portuguese? It is not. I did Portuguese last week.
1: Ah, of course. Yeah. So Spanish.
0: Me, me Spanish. No. Mm. Sounds
1: Hungarian. It is
0: Hungarian.
1: How uh, did you know that? No good at languages.
0: How did you know that? Yeah. No <laughs>
1: I work for a
0: Hungarian, so I got her to tr- translate this for me.
2: I've been learning for a while. Have you? Hmm. Ah, My
0: gendered. Brilliant. Okay, right. Until next time, then. Up the saints. Up the fucking saints.
1: Up the saints.
2: Podcast Network.